Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Amrit Wang of the Raw Entrepreneur, Podex Live on Mind Valley. Thank you for joining us for our monthly conscious caregiving circle for animals, where we meet every first Thursday of the month to share our thoughts on what it means to be a conscious caregiver for our animals. I am blessed to have with me five amazing ladies from Canada, the founder of Adored Beast Apothecary and kick-ass homeopath and trailblazer for the advancement of holistic pet care, Julianne Lee. As a practitioner, teacher, and consultant, she has expanded the world of animal wellness, both reclaiming and scientifically evolving the time-honored common-sense practice of nature-based animal healthcare. She has been the owner and practitioner of some of the busiest and long-standing holistic veterinary hospitals and clinics in North America, instructor at the College of Animal Homeopathic Medicine, lecturer for the American Homeopathic Veterinary Association, British Homeopathic Veterinary Surgeons Association, and many, many more over the last 20 years. Julianne Lee's goal has never changed, to provide people with the knowledge and power to choose holistic healing from the tip of the nose to the tip of the tail. From the UK, the founder of Kachina Canine, Dr. Isla Fishburne. Her focus is on ecosystem health from the individual level up. She combines science with indigenous wisdom to better the life of dogs in all aspects of their wellness, including how the wellness state of a dog's human can affect the dog. Isla focuses on deepening the connection of a human to live intuitively so that their dog will operate from a place of energetic alignment. Isla combines her knowledge as a zoologist, conservation biologist, shamanic practitioner, and wolf handler to bring teachings about how to improve the emotional, physical, spiritual, nutritional, and mental state of a dog. She is deeply focused on teaching and exploring the importance of vibrational health and living from a place of authenticity. From the United States, Dr. Josie Bjorg, who is a licensed vet who specializes in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine from among other healing modalities. She received a BA in biology from the University of Colorado in 1989 with an emphasis in neurology. She attended veterinary school with the intention of practicing integrative veterinary medicine and earned her DVM degree from the University of Wisconsin in 1998. She received her acupuncture certification from the Qi Institute of Traditional Chinese Veterinary Medicine in 2001 and continues to both study and teach there. She has a thriving holistic house call practice in South Florida going on 20 years and is a lifelong student of the healing arts, from herbs to oils, to energy to stones, integrating ancient knowledge and modern medicine to help her patients live longer, healthier, happier lives. Also from the US, Dr. Emily Taylor Yunker, who is a veterinary clinical herbalist and is the integrative medicine service within the Veterinary Rehabilitation Hospital at Quartet in Cary, North Carolina. She received a DVM from Auburn University College of Veterinary Medicine in 2013. During her time at Auburn, Dr. Yunker created a student club 
to foster relationships with holistic veterinary practitioners and herbalists and pursued specific coursework focusing on alternative modalities. She studied with Dr. Barbara Fougier, author of the Veterinary Herbal Medicine textbook, as well as Susan Weed, a leader in holistic health and herbal knowledge. She completed a comprehensive certifi certification course in Western Veterinary Herbal Medicine through Purple Moon Herbs and Studies in 2019. Dr. Yonker now offers complementary care, utilizing a holistic approach to pet health, integrating a biologically appropriate diet, herbs and supplements, along with conventional pharmaceuticals and diagnostics. She also explores topics of holistic health more broadly on her blog and website, holisticmumvet.com. And finally, also from Canada, my personal favorite person from Adored Bees Apothecary, Stephanie B, who has the biggest heart and compassion in making sure we are all connected. So that was a really long intro because all these ladies are like super amazing, okay? And I have to acknowledge all of them. I can't show any favoritism or else I'll be dead, okay? So, oops, that was a big boo-boo. Anyway, today's topic is a sensitive one, but we hope that we'll make it welcoming. It's about death. It is a part of life cycle and yet many people are afraid to talk about it. Today in this safe circle, we will share our thoughts and experience with death to help shine a light and encourage our listeners to look at death in a more conscious way. Julianne, would you like to share your thoughts on this now? Well, for anyone that knows me and um, not a lot of people out there probably do, these guys do, I, I don't, prepare a lot for stuff so the majority of what I'm going to talk about is just what comes to mind and I think that um I think from a, a death perspective with animals because that's what I can speak to um stronger than anything else at my practice at my at my vet hospital in in Vancouver I think what I learned the most from death, I always look at what I'm learning and not what I'm teaching. So, and when I learn something and what my, my goal and my hope is, is that then I can teach that from a personal perspective. Cause we all, you know, everybody sitting here has their own personal perspective. And when you group that together, it becomes a really wonderful connected, connected piece of, of knowledge. Right. So I think the first thing that that came to mind when when with death and especially with me because I grew up on a, on a on a rescue, so I saw a lot of animal death as a as a child helping my mom, and I often wondered why I never saw people die, and why I saw so many animals die, and why did people go to hospitals and was taken away and removed sort of from their family and their, 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 I, I, I used to ask my mom that a lot. Like, why can't, like my grand, my grandfather was the first person that died that I close to me. And I was like, how come he has to die in the hospital? I don't understand the dogs are dying home here and whatever. 
So I think when we look at death and, and, and for me, animals teach me more, animals in nature teach me more than books or science or, or anything I've ever been involved with. It's embracing, it's, it's understanding death. And I think that we're so removed from it. Like we see it so much. <clears throat> we see it all the time in movies and television and Netflix and whatever. We see death all the time. But we, we as a society in North America, I'm just going to say, we are, are, we are really removed from it, from, from being with our family and our loved ones when, when they die often. So I think what animals did for me is it, I was really afraid of death and um, learning and understanding and connecting with, with my philosophy, which is that the physical body dies, but the, the soul doesn't and the soul remains. That was a big part of my practice at, at my clinic. So rather than you know and this is no judgment but what i what i would often see is people dropping their animals off to vets to be to be euthanized and sort of sometimes being discouraged to stay with them, not to stay with them right to to not be in the room because it was too upsetting or it's too upsetting to the animals or don't bring your children in because your children are going to be too upset or don't euthanize your dog at home because, or your cat at home, because it's, it's an emotional perspective. Like I, I, I found that it was going down that route of removal with, with death. So the first thing that I, that I did, and everyone's going to probably talk here about the different spiritual part of it, but from, from my perspective at my clinic, I, in 1997, I had a euthanasia room and that room was delegated to animals so that that it that room didn't have to be interrupted on any level and the and the and the pet parents could stay with their animals and process that that part um of the death process or or stay with them and it not be like a rushed sort of um procedure almost so that was really encouraged more than even that, we we did a lot of house calls so that the so that other animals could be around it. So the animals understood, like if there was a whatever animals or children or whatever that that it was, it was a it was a really um, it was a really important part. It was as important as living. So that so leaving was as important as living, and that process around it so many times we wound up going in and euthanizing animals at home and then leaving them there and people would be like you can't leave them there you have to automatically take them out of the house like like it's almost like they think that they're going to implode if they're dead if they die you know they're gonna you know swell all up and explode or decay within a matter of 24 hours or something they really don't understand and you know we encourage people to leave their animals in their their normal beds right for for just that process to happen and the other animals that could could be around them. So um, right now with COVID and stuff, I, I think that what I can contribute maybe with, with, this, with this conversation is that I don't know what the rules and regulations is with every single country, but our, our go-to our go if we couldn't go home and the animals 
we often we often euthanize animals and dogs, not cats, but dogs in cars. So we would go out and we would put the animal to sleep in the car because often it was their second home. So the other thing I don't think people talk about enough is the preparation of death. So ideally from a holistic or homeopathic perspective, we supported them with remedies to die at home. So our first first goal was that they would pass on their own and not even have to be euthanized. But I find that asking people to think about not to just make a, a, a fast decision, but it's as important to when you're getting a puppy or a kitten or you're preparing for a child to come into the house, you're in preparation for this sort of happy time. I think it's important to be in preparation for a time so that you can prepare it as a leaving, but staying connected than the hardcore cut and it's done, they're gone just do it, you know, like it's, it's, it, I find for, for my clients, it was really, really supportive for them to make a decision prior to what's going on. So if an animal's diagnosed with cancer, like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What kind of, what kind of life do you want your animal to have? And what kind of death do you want your animal to have? So to prepare, to prepare it in a different way, than just around sadness and grief and trauma. And, you know, there's so much you can do with the whole family, like giving them, you know, aconite to, to help, to help with the, the fear around it. Just, just be um, a little more prepared and try to be in that space where um, it, it, it's looked at in a different way because we look at it in such a scary way that we disconnect from it. And that is no judgment because I was terrified. You know, it's still something to this day that I struggle with. I have a rescue farm, right? So I see a lot of death and I see, I have to make those decisions a lot. And I wouldn't have been prepared for what I have to be prepared for now if I didn't have my clinic supporting people in that process. So, I guess the very end thing I want to say is I just, it's in my personal belief, it's not an end. It's not an end. In animals of, of anything, we are so connected to them energetically that it's important to keep that energy, especially if you've just had a diagnosis of people are watching this and they've just found out their animal has cancer or whatever. Spend that time connecting. Talk to your dog, your cat, your horse, your pot belly pig whatever it is how are you going to show up for me are you going to show up as a bird are you going to show up just in the air are you going to show up as a star how am i going to how am i going to feel you right that that's something that i do with these guys all the time all the animals that i have in contact with so i guess be be prepared try to understand it the best with that fits with your philosophy because it's only going to be your philosophy what Dr. Fishburn, what, what anybody thinks here, what's nice is that then you can, you can marry that with what feels true to your heart. Cause none of us are going to not, in my opinion, none of us have the exact right opinion or the exact right advice. And maybe it's going to be a collage of everybody's, but what feels right for you and think about it now so that you can, you can 
flow into it rather than hit hit it like a train. Thanks, Julie. Um, Isla, what do you think? Thank you so much, Julianne. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, um, and what I'm going to share is again, just like we are all part of the collective, right? So this is just from my perspective, my experiences, what I have seen, what I've um, observed, what I, what I witnessed is um, there is, yeah, so from my perspective, um, we are we are taught and told so much about how to celebrate life, how to celebrate rewards, how to, yeah, how to love life. Um, and yet we're not taught or taught how to celebrate death. And I think that is why it comes in certainly again in our Western society, at least there are cultural societies that really honor, honor death as much as, as life is honored and seen as a celebration because there is no end. Um, like Julianne Spabufi explains that, yeah, the, the physical body has an expiration date and that just goes back to earth and then it hey it becomes the building box again and creates something out um from what i know i can be and is like a kind of droid um and i feel that's a really powerful thing to remember the soul can never be destroyed um and so looking at it from the perspective of how how can we tell ourselves that it is okay to celebrate death not that like whoa like a, something an animal a family member someone that i love so much a best friend is has passed is going to pass i don't mean it from that perspective at all but wow how can i honor celebrate be in ceremony with this physical animal this this loved one that i've, I've shared such a coexistence with physically and to celebrate them now in spirit to celebrate their spirit and from that perspective, for me, the what's really interesting is how we how we put a protocol in practice for our for our animals, and also how we put a protocol in practice for the animals we coexist with that may also be witnessing a, a family member passing. Um, and so I I always remember an experience. Um, a friend of mine came to me to say so her her sister-in-law was dying. Um, sister-in-law was dying with cancer. She was dying at home and all the family were together. All the family were showing up, were, were speaking to her, reading to her, being in the same room. And they kept they kept kind of showing the dog out, like the dog was kept in another room. And, um, you know, she's like, my dog, the dog's just, I'm just looking, looking more and more depressed, more and more forlorn. Um, do you think she has an understanding of, of what's going on? And I'm like, oh yeah, of course she does. She's a family member. And I think this is what I really want people to understand that whether it is like Julianne says, a pot belly pig, you're dog, your cat, your horse, whether it's a fish, whether it's a gerbil, whether it's an anything and everything that is alive, has a soul, has a spirit, whether it's a blade of grass, whether it's a leaf on a tree, whether it's a stone, whether it's the waters, everything has a spirit that we intuitively can connect to in whatever way that may be. And even if we're just like, we don't think we can do it, like we can, and that's just when you will start to receive signs um, and a knowing. And so, for example, in this case with the, the family, the family member that was passing, um, I just said, look, why don't we just connect with the dog and see why the dog is sad? Is it because there's a dog upset because the family member is passing? Is the dog upset for hope for, for other reasons? And the dog gave this most incredible share. Um, and within it, it was, yeah, I'm like, guys, I'm a family member. I've been with you all since a puppy. 
like I've been in every holiday, every season, every special occasion, every celebration, every ceremony. Why you? Why do you keep closing the door on me here, guys? Like this is really upsetting me. And so from that perspective, something I want to share because often we try and safeguard our animal, which is what we, of course we want to do, but without maybe considering the animal's feelings of what does what does the animal need that coexists with us? Because they are our family. They they witness everything. They witness us when we're babies if we have the animal since we're a toddler they witness our first steps our first words us kind of graduating in well in the uk it's a levels and going off to university and 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 um so i think that's a really valued point to look at like how do we support our animals when they are still living with others but there is a member of the family whether it is another animal or a non a non-human animal or or human that is going to be passing and and with that as well there is this because we, we can always remain connected to our animals and this is what I'm going to share in the meditation later on this evening, or this evening, my time, could be morning or afternoon, um, is, yeah, this honouring, it's like we we learn everything that we can, we repair ourselves, okay, I'm getting a puppy, I'm getting a rescue dog, what do I need to know about this puppy, what do I need to know about this rescue dog, Do I need what kind of techniques do I need to learn, what professional do I need to go to, what equipment do I need to buy, what food do I need to feed, everything we get everything in preparation for our dog and constantly evolving with that from how we coexist with them as as the dog ages but yeah again when it comes to death it's almost like oh yeah and there's death and we don't talk about it and we kind of just put it to one side and that can often be why grief is grief comes at such a shock because again we we don't hold it in a in a in a way to celebrate we don't hold it in a way to honor and that's what that's what passing is it's it's honoring the life this beautiful incredible time together that we've had with this physical being and how we then start to connect communicate and stay in contact with that animal once it's out of its physical body and so there's a whole lot of preparation that we can do um in terms of like julianne says which i i really agree with because it's something that i also do with clients and guardians um with dogs i'm really kind of more focused on on the dogs um but we can ask the animal hey it's nearly time for you to pass or what is it that you would like when it is your time to pass so um, i don't know if maybe you saw tunkasila one of my dogs just came in and she's 13 and a half now and her life energy is failing that's okay she's 13 and a half her spirit is so strong her soul is so strong but yeah her life energy is failing she's maybe now 80 percent and even one of the things so recently i mean she's not ready to pass i know that but recently she started to change her behavior where um she was being quite distant with me and i was like okay have i have i annoyed her that could be true we we can annoy our animals that's okay um i'm like have i annoyed have i, have I missed something like why is there this distance and so i just connected with her like hey like what is it that you need i just noticed this change in in our interaction and again, like our, our animals are always so connected to us. It's not necessarily, like, they're always, they're always forgiving. And they have, you know, what is really important to express with our non-human animals that we coexist with? They have no ego. So they have no judgment. They have no criticism. They have no shame or blame. It just is just like, hey, you've asked me a question. This is what I'm sharing. And how she expressed it and explained to me was, there'll be a time when we are physically no longer together. So all I'm doing is preparing you for when we're no longer physically together. I'm giving you the distance so you know what knows what it feels like when we no longer have this interaction. And I was like, oh, that is just so beautiful and profound. And so our dogs are also kind of 
have these opportunities and um, a knowing to have a decision, to have a choice. And I think we kind of are not, you know, we're talking about consciousness and it's conscious in all ways. And so everything that is alive also has an intelligence. It's different to like the human intelligence of the brain, but we all have a soul, we all have a heart and a, a way of feeling and sensing and, and knowing. And so we can connect to our animals or you can work with a professional that knows how to support you and guide you in connecting to your animal so your animal can share with you exactly what they need maybe what song they want to hear what ceremony they want what food they want um, before they pass during their passing and also after they are passing and there's some really simple techniques that we can do to support an animal that has already passed to make that passing easier and i'm not saying the passing is painful it, it, it's it's not at all uh, but the passing can be easier where we have this acceptance of saying to animals like wow i i really love you i really wish you were still here but there is an acceptance that you are ready to go you are no longer part of your physical body um because that can also make it just it can make the the soul of the animal just hang around for a little bit longer and um if we're really honoring our animal it's understanding what again like time and time again when we coexist with our animal of what is it that they need what is it that they need and also how we support ourselves in that perspective of what is it that we need to to grieve and allow that kind of grief and loss and the pain of that to to be released and so i always remember when um our other wolf dog caller he passed two two years ago um and that's exactly what i did with him i just sat in a ceremony with him and I've done this with, with other clients as well, where we sit in ceremony with the dog and we're just like, just share, tell us what it is that you need. There is some beautiful meditation that you can do without even having to go into the vet practice, like Julianne explained, with um, depending on what your vet practice, practice protocols are with um, the pandemic and with COVID. But there, are, it's the physical body that's limited. The physical body is limited in where it can go, but the, the soul body never is. So you can literally take yourself to the vet practice if that's where your dog is going to be. And there's some beautiful, um, yeah, grounding meditations that you can do, some beautiful meditations and, and protecting that space as your animal is going to pass. And that's kind of what we did with Kohler. I, I just connect with him and said, just like, son, I'd love you to hang around for a couple of more days. I'd love you to hang around for a couple of more years. What is it that you need? It could be, you know, I have had this before and I've had to share with clients really just, we've sat in a really just open space and a held space and a heard space where we 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 are all hearing and we're we're um there was a beautiful saying of we are hearing to listen rather than to respond and i only saw it the other day and i was like that is so important because sometimes we listen to what well, i'm going to reply but it's like no let's open up to hear just to listen and um, because sometimes we know that our our animal is unwell and so we kind of try this and try that and kind of keep them going because we are trying these different protocols which is not right or wrong it, it's not from a place of judgment it is what it is but often when i connect with the animals it's like you know what i just want to be with my family that's these things are lovely and they're great but they're they're just giving me days or months and you know what's taking our time away where we're getting in the car we're going here then i feel a bit sick or i just i need to sleep just want to be with the family and that's kind of what cola um communicate with me that's what he shared was like do you know what ma'am like i've had an amazing life being surrounded in love but i'm done now i'm i'm just done i'm ready and my vet practice they they're beautiful they are purely conventional um but they are so open they're so open to all manner of different techniques protocols whatever you want to try so um i did a ceremony in the vet practice for for caller which was really beautiful 
and and with that he shared with me a particular chant he wanted to hear a particular um a couple of, uh, of essential oils that he wanted and um, there was a spray that he wanted around him there was some food that he wanted so we really can be in this place when we're looking at how do we celebrate the life of our animals how do we put in practice everything that our animal needs so that they're having a good life how we can also know that it's okay it's okay to be sad around passing to be sad around death knowing that how do we work through the grief and the loss but knowing that that is also an honoring that we can give it's ceremony it's a celebration um and that we can we can connect with our animals to receive that um there isn't anything special about it there isn't anything like oh well maybe isla can do it and, and i can't like you can, like if i can do it everybody can do it everybody can do it and i think that's really what i want to share even if it's just like oh i just heard a little song or i just i don't know i was thinking of my dog and 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 yeah maybe they're, they're time to pass and then um, i i just got this just got this smell of like a a cheesy pie melted tuna melt or something like pay attention this is the whole point of our sharing together at this time of being conscious being conscious is being conscious of everything so pay attention of everything that shows up knowing and trusting that you are communicating to your animal each and every day ah uh, thanks isla you know uh you brought a tear and a bit of a gulp in my throat uh, a few times there when i was just thinking about some of my other animals that passed and um yeah, it, it really hit home. So thank you for that. Um, Dr. Josie, you know, um, please share what you're thinking of this. Wow. Um, yeah, I have a lot to say on this. I, um, I, I first heard the term death doula a few years ago, and it's become more popular. And I realized that's pretty much, it's been my life path all the time from goodness, when I was three, four or five years old, being presented with death and the death of animals and the death of people. Um, you know, I had my like, I was a five, I was five years old and I was sitting on our front stoop and a car drove by in the suburban neighborhood and there was a thump. And the man brought my, a ball of fur covered in blood. My mom had run in to go to the bathroom and he landed this ball of fur covered in blood in front of me. And I'm a, this little five-year-old girl. And he said, is this your kitty cat? And, and I said, no, that's not my kitty cat. There's no kitty cat there. You know, I, I was already aware it was like the fur, but the cat itself was gone. And um, I then went on to, I went on to be a biology major and then I went on to work in animal shelters. I spent about five, eight years of my life devoted to animal shelters. And I was day in, day out in that euthanasia room. So I saw a lot. <laughs> I've seen probably an animal die in every different way an animal could potentially die. And I went into the one shelter I worked in, we went, <laughs> we walked in my boyfriend at the time and we decided we were going to go smudge the animal shelter before everybody showed up at work. And we walked in there with, <laughs> with this is way before vet school, we walked in there with the sage and we started, we lit it in the back door was a cremation room. And then there were these two huge rooms, like 40 kennels each. And normally the first person walking in in the door, the dogs would just start barking and barking and barking. And we lit that sage and the whole entire shelter got 
quiet. Like you could hear a pin drop in the hallway. And we just looked at each other going, oh man, we don't know if, you know, and we, we all of the smoke concentrated in that euthanasia room. And we were actually went and stood outside in the parking lot because people were starting up to come in for work and we're like, oh shit, they're gonna think we're back there smoking pot in the animal shelter because there's this giant cloud of sage and you literally had to walk through it in order to get into the building. So every person coming to work that day was getting smudged with sage, but we heard like crazy screaming entities things flying out of the stack of that crematory so it was a major clearing but i i later went on i i started doing at home euthanasias um back gosh 20 years ago when i started my house call practice and i being a holistic vet you get all these cases of autoimmune disease and cancer and so i i really see my job as walking people through that disease process of their own and you know walking them hand in hand with that animal to the void and allowing them to walk up to that void and allowing them to let that animal go onto their journey through the veil and be okay with that. Um, and I think the preparation that Julianne said, it's so important. And I have a very intimate practice because it's usually me, the animal and the client when it's at home. And so the stories that will come up, those animals, I consider the animals the healers for the people and they're healing our fear of death because they're so in the moment. Um, I've also studied, I'm, I, I, my spiritual path was based upon my death work. So I've studied, I searched out people who could talk about what happened on the other side and Tibetan Buddhists, um, you know, they have all the teachings on the bardo and what you go through and the Taoists talk about in acupuncture, the different parts of the soul. And I found with acupuncture, you can actually, my animals that I'm treating with acupuncture on a regular basis, a lot of them will die on their own and I never get the phone call. They will literally pass in their sleep, which is such a blessing for the people and the animal. But um, I've had people sit there and talk about their mother's death, talk about another traumatic death they had to witness. They, they bring up all of these wounds around their animal's death but it's pretty much holding the space for that to happen in as a safe space that it's okay to meet death. We're all going to meet death at some point in time. It's not, you know, our society has, has relegated it to the nursing home and has relegated it to the hospital, but I've had amazing experiences in hospital rooms with people as well. I mean, my father's death, I, I was pretty much in meditation when he actually died and I saw the way the Tibetans described the energy and the elements dissolving and exploding in his heart center and him leaving energetically. And I ran over, I was across the street in a hotel room and I ran to the hospital room and I'm running to get into his hospital room while everybody else is running out because there's a dead body in there. Oh my God, we have to run away from the dead body. But one of the other things I've learned, I've kind of collected over the years, all of, all of our traditional societies, whether it's, whether it's European, whether it's Chinese, whether it's 
African, they all have rituals around death and how to care for the dying at home and how to care for the body when the person has left. And I was initiated into a Peruvian ritual of literally unlocking the chakras. And I was able to go in, everybody left my father's room and I was able to be with him alone. And I was able to do this ceremony of unhooking his chakras. And I made my, I yelled at my niece, there was this whole bouquet of roses in the waiting room of the hospital. I said, go grab me those roses. And I literally laid roses out all in like a grid over his whole body and did my prayers and did my prostrations and had this incredible closing. And I was, you know, in the middle of a hospital. But I think it's so important. Um, there's more conversations that we're having about it um, in terms of death rights and actually talking, talking to our own family members about how we want to die, if at all possible. I mean, I think that's so vitally important and more and more people are being allowed to die at home as well. But our animals, they have, they have so much to teach us. They don't, they're not afraid of death. And if we look at this whole situation with COVID is really um, the powers that be playing on our fear of death. And I think we, I think that's a big wake up call for all of us from a spiritual perspective. And it's kind of sent us to our rooms to really hopefully go inward and do some inner work and really think about um, one of my spiritual teachers, a Tibetan Lama, he would always, his first teaching he gave me was to sit, sit 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night and think about my own death and think about the death of my loved ones and to start your day with that. You know, and, and like Crazy Horse Lakota, they would say they're, they're, they would go off to battle or whatever they were doing saying today is a good day to die. And if we live from that, there's, we're not going to waste our life. We're going to go out there and we're going to do what's important for us, for all of the living things around us, for our ecosystem, for our world, for our family, for the seven generations ahead of us. You know, what are we leaving them? So we can sit and mope and do this whole thing or we can say, you know, tomorrow I could be dead. What am I going to do today? So that's, that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. And I, I, you know, I think, I think every single animal that's crossed my path. I was actually right before this call, a woman called me up and, and I gave her instructions. She's been racing her. She has like a wolf type dog and she's been running it from clinic to clinic and they put it on this drug and that drug made it vomit and this drug gave it diarrhea and it can't get up and it stopped eating. And I said, just, just stop, it's okay to stop. And I said, I want you to take the next three days and I want you to push everything else away. And I want you to spend that three days with your dog because that's your soul dog. And yes, he's been with you many lifetimes. So you need to be with him. If that's curling up on the floor with him, if that's talking to him, if that's crying with him, if that's giving him permission, if that's loving him, if that's smelling his fur, if that's, you know, putting, dropping water in his mouth to keep it moist, it's, it's holding vigil. And we have forgotten how to do that. We're scared, we're too scared. But it, that's, 
I think that is the missing part out of grief is holding vigil with that loved one who is, who's getting ready to go on the journey of a lifetime and we can be there for them. So. Thanks, Dr. Josie. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Um, Dr. Emily, I know you've got much to say about this as well. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, I do and I don't, I mean, I, I feel like, um, I mean, I, I do, I have a lot to say, but I also literally, when Julianne started talking, I was like, I was unprepared to take notes. And I literally like got up and ran away and like found myself a notebook and a pen. And I was like, I'm sitting here like, yes, absolutely. Yes, I need to write this down. Um, and um, I sort of feel like um, maybe I haven't processed this enough to figure out how I need to speak to other people about it. Um, and so maybe I think I will, I'm actually thinking I'm just gonna tell a story. Um, because it's fairly fresh on my mind and it was a very different experience. Um, so juxtapose it. So um, what my incredibly long intro did not actually mention that I currently am working in an emergency practice full time and, um, and death is part of what I do um, sometimes in really traumatic ways um, where everyone is trying desperately to prevent it. Um, and sometimes it's already done by the time I'm involved and I, I just have to tell people, I'm sorry, it's, I'm sorry that it, it's already done. It's already gone. They're, they're not here anymore. And then sometimes it's walking them to the edge, walking them to the veil, like Josie said, and, and standing with them on the precipice while they let go. Um, and sometimes it's <laughs> it's holding them while their animal goes when they are not okay with it, not okay at all. Um, and there's so much variety in it that um, trying to come up with how do you talk about it, it's really hard. Um, so I think I'm gonna talk about how um, how I kind of wish it could be a little bit more. Um, and, and maybe even through the eyes of my son. Uh, my son is six years old. Um, this spring, um, he lost one of his, um, one of his fur friends very unexpectedly. Um, we just called her Mama Gray because she was a gray mama cat. Um, and she technically belonged to my neighbor, but she and Owen were really, really best friends. And she came to our house every day to, to play with him. Um, and I, I knew there was heartbreak from the beginning because she was an outdoor cat who was only a year old and a big wanderer and we live near a major highway. Um, and um, this spring, one day, my husband and actually my best friend who was visiting were on their way to the store and just saw her literally as they were pulling out of the park, out of the driveway on the side of the road and knew immediately it was her. Um, and they called the neighbor and let him know. And my neighbor, um, we, we practically live on a commune, side note. Like we we're very close. We all live on the same property. It's an old organic farm that currently no one is farming, but we all live on it. And, um, and so he has a, a lovely soul to him. And um, 
he also has children and he came and collected her body and took it back to his house and waited for his children to get home um, from school. And I, I don't know exactly what process they went through, but I know that he did not immediately hide her and bury her body. He allowed his children to say goodbye to her. And um, that evening after his children had had a chance, um, Ian and I sat, my husband Ian and I sat down with our son Owen and told him what had happened. Um, and I'm sorry, and just held space for his grief. And of course at the age of six, he is, um, really unfiltered in his emotions and he doesn't feel like he has to hold back and he doesn't feel like he has to hold it together and he doesn't have to make decisions. He just feels it. And um, I'm so glad that my best friend just happened to be there visiting us because she was able to sit with our other child so that Ian and I could really just give him the space to feel that. Um, and so one of the things that we asked him was whether he wanted to see her and um, you know, as, as a professional, I, I was able to give him a little bit of kind of like a what to expect, like her, she is not there anymore. Her being is not there, but her body is there. Her body will look different without life in it, but it was, it's still her. It's not scary. Um, and he knew, I mean, he knew he wanted to see her. He, and, um, I, I never dissuade parents from allowing their children to be part of the process. Um, and sometimes I am shocked at how parents of college students think their child can't handle the process. And I think that we need to not be protecting our children from death like that. I don't think it's healthy at all. I think we need to allow our children to be with these things. Um, and so um, I was 39 and a half weeks pregnant at the time, but Ian took Owen over to our neighbor's house and, um, and sat with him while he said goodbye to Mama Gray. And um, Owen, actually earlier that day, he had picked flowers and he took the flowers that he had picked earlier in the day and he arranged them on her. And he gave her a kiss and he told her he loved her. And he sat with her for some time and he sang to her. And, um, and then when he came home, he told me about it. And um, he said that he, he wanted, he wanted, I could tell he wanted more, but he didn't know the right words. And I said, do you, do you want to talk to her or do you want to pray maybe? And he said, yes, that's what he wanted, but he didn't know how to do it. Um, and I, um, he, at the time and really still, he's really, he loved to draw. And so I suggested that he make a drawing for her and then that we take it outside and um, use a candle to, sh to help guide her soul into um, over the rainbow bridges. I, I did use that term for him that resonated with him because we, we tell birth stories using the rainbow bridge too at our house. So birth and death are the, the bridge. Um, and um, he, that really resonated with him. He's used to me using candles and he's comfortable with art as a medium. And so he made two drawings. One was for him to remember her and he kept it. And the other was for her as a way of remembering her alive and remembering her life. And we did, we took it outside and we sat down um, on the patio. We lit a candle for her. And we told her that it was okay to go and we still loved her and that we would call on her 
uh, from time to time when we when we missed her the most and um Ian he specifically invited her to go on adventures with him in his dreams because she wants to go on adventures that's what she did um and um and it, and he uh, I mean he he for the next couple of days he would still cry a little bit and um but really it was the it was the <laughs> he didn't hold on to that and here we are about six months later seven months later and she he occasionally brings her up but it is never in the context of her death it is in the context of who she like who she is like um like mama gray and would love to go on that adventure with me for instance is something that he would say um and and so you know watching i mean he's he's a fresh soul he's only six years old but like he moves through these phases of emotion in such a beautiful unrestrained way that it just reminds me when we when we allow ourselves to do that, when we allow ourselves to just really go into it um, in an unfiltered way where we're not putting on a show for other people, we're not trying to be strong, we're not trying to hold it together. Um, and then we take any of our other um, emotional uh, and mental health coping strategies, all of the tools that we possibly can find, um, art and song and ritual and ceremony and um, aesthetics and um, connecting to people around us and using our bodies and our voices and our imaginations, um, art, I mean, all of it, you just bring it all in. And then you have this integrated experience that allows your body and your mind and your soul to all process what's going on. Um, and so um, he, it was such a, an incredible, that, I mean, he, my children are always teachers for me, but that was, that was such a deep, rich lesson um, for me. Um, and so I've then taken that and tried to more overtly bring that into my practice and of course every situation is different but I I make a conscious practice of giving people permission to do things um because they're not I mean they're they most of them have never quite been through the experience of an emergency veterinarian um euthanasia or death of an animal um and there's some decisions that have to be made and there's some practical parts but I need to I really consciously give them choices and I tell people you have as long as you need prior to and after this room is yours for as long as you need it um i sit with them and i witness their emotions i i specifically leave space for that and some people are private people and they don't know me um and so they don't want me there and other people really 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 want you there and they want to talk to you about what's coming up for them and they need that processing space um and other people need to be given permission. I mean, people apologize to me for crying at the death of their animal all the time. I mean, literally almost every time. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, and I, I, I mean, I really make a point of being firm about it. And I look at them and say, it is okay to have emotions right now. It is okay to feel this deeply. This is very difficult. This is hard stuff you are doing it's okay to have feelings about it. Um, and um, and almost every time people are like, yeah, oh yeah, right.
duh, I'm allowed to have feelings about this. Like, <laughs> um, and, and so I, I will say that it has, um, it's been a reminder to me and also just brought another layer into my clinical practice of making sure that I overtly give people enough permission and space to do what they need to do. Um, and I always give them as many choices as I possibly can. You know, it, everything doesn't have to be immediately right now, right here under these circumstances. And, um, and I, I think that that's something that once, even once the euthanasia decision is made, or once the, this animal is dying, acknowledgement has been made, there are still choices. That, and, and I think that anytime we can give people those choices, it allows them to be part of it. And when they're part of it, they're less likely to be traumatized by it and more likely to be able to integrate it into themselves. Okay. Thanks. I, I think Thanks. that's kind of what I've got for the moment. <laughs> No, it, thank you for sharing that because, you know, the story of your son, I think resonates with everyone yeah. who's going through death, especially the very, very first time, you know, and yeah, it, thank you for sharing that, that story, that personal story. Uh, it means a lot, it means a lot. Um, like today, Death is a very sensitive topic, but I think it's so important that we talk about it. Um, Stephanie, you're a pet parent. Would you like to share your thoughts on, you know, you've listened to these four amazing ladies. I'm, I'm grateful that there's people out there like Julie, like Josie, like Emily, like Isla, that people like me can have access to that can support us because we are scared when these things happen. Um, and I guess I wish that there were more people practicing the way that you all here do that we could have access to. But I mean, this session has been incredibly powerful do I have any additions? No, I'm just so thankful that you were all willing to share. And, and I'm grateful that we have access to people like you to help us through the motions. Love you, Steph. I, um, can I say one fast thing? When Stephanie said that, it just, it reminded me that you know, for anyone that's watching from my perspective <clears throat> is that when you listen to us, for me, I'm always still learning. Like I can say that I'm not afraid of death and I can say all of those things, but it's, it's, it's always, it's practice, right? It's, it's a constant practice because we're so bombarded with the opposite or so bombarded with to fear it, that it's almost like a, when you were talking about being conscious, it's almost like a, it's, it's almost for me living in, you know, living in the situation that I do right now, I have to be conscious about it every day. And when Josie said that, you know, she was told to meditate on, on the people that have died and her own death every morning, I, I was sitting and I was listening to that. And I was like, that's really interesting because <clears throat> we aren't, that's not what we're taught, right? But 
I, I, um, I had an experience that I just wanted to quickly say with, with, with one of the very loves of my life, animals, my, my horse. And for me, he was a, a very strong spirit animal for me that, that moved me literally 11,000 kilometers to come to a farm so that he could actually have grass. And uh, from the second I met that horse, I, I had this incredible bond, like, like phenomenal bond. And um, <clears throat> same way you're gonna, you got upset. I, I feel the same way. <clears throat> I landed here for him in Nova Scotia on this big mass farm. <laughs> and literally like four weeks after we got here, he was a rescue. He couldn't stand up. And um, after a while, he was, we were finally figured out that he had equine um, protozoa myelocephalitis. And I was so determined this horse was not gonna die that I basically spent every waking hour talking to every single veterinarian I could find, every single spiritual, per I mean, I just, I just focused my entire life on with this horse. And um, at the same time, I was separating from my partner and I was terrified that something would happen that if he, if my, I wanted my partner to leave and we knew that it was the best thing to do, but Joseph was a big draft horse and he would fall over. And once we had to take a chainsaw and chainsaw the barn side of the barn down to get him up because he fell over. And I knew I couldn't do that on my own. So I was seeing a shaman at the time. And I said to her, I'm so torn. I don't, I don't know what to do. And she said, well, how's Joseph doing? And I'm like, he's doing great. He's doing actually very well, but I'm so, I don't want my partner to leave because I'm so terrified that something's going to happen to him and I'm not going to be able to do something about it. And she said, well, maybe try not going there. And, you know, like right now, just embrace that he's doing well and whatever. And I, it was quite a strong thing when I said that to him, it's like, I want, him to go but I don't want him to go because I'm so I know it's best that he goes for me like my partner needs to leave for me so that I remain healthy or stay healthy but I don't want him to go because I don't want to be in this situation and I came home and that morning I got up and he had fallen down in the hallway and uh he had no intentions of getting back up and almost instantly I knew he was leaving because of me like he he wasn't he wasn't physically ready to go but he knew I he had to go so that I would be okay but what he taught me like even in that moment I'm like don't go I mean I'm I'm gonna be okay like my partner can go. I don't, I change my mind, <laughs> get up, you know? And, um, but what I realized is that I spent three years of my life, not with him. I didn't stay with him. And he taught me in that moment that all I had to do is get off my stupid computer and stop trying to save his life. Cause I was so terrified that he was going to die and just be with him for whatever like the time that he could be. And then I had an older dog, Della, 
And literally I said to her, no, I'm not doing this. I'm going to, I, I spent the rest of that year so connected with her. And I, I think what I'm trying to say to everybody is that <clears throat> we live in such a disconnected life. We live on computers and cell phones and media and, and everything. And that, that I've seen so many personally in my own vet hospital of people chasing chasing the fear of death, like of not, they're just doing whatever they need to do to, so that their animal doesn't die, that they miss their life because of that fear. So I think that's the only thing that I wanted, that I wanted to stay, leave with is that they aren't afraid. They aren't like, they're not, they're so not afraid to die that they'll just, they'll go. Like that's exactly what he did. I, I've never experienced anything like that in my whole life. And it was so incredibly clear for me that the, I was up here and he was down there and he was, knew exactly what I was thinking. Like you said, Isla, always say, like you can be miles away from your animals and you're still connected. So when I actually verbally expressed that, he was able to understand that and go. So the last thing that I would just want to say is don't, don't, don't leave your animal before it dies just because, because you are, you're leaving them by, by chasing whatever you can do for them not to die. You're actually leaving them before they die. So just trying to stay connected with that, I think is really, really important. Oh, thanks, Julie, for sharing that. Um, I want to welcome uh, Laurie and Talita to, to our circle. We are actually discussing um, how to view death consciously, and it's actually been quite an intense past hour, um, but there will be a recording that we can share later with everyone. Um, would, would anyone, I'd like to open up to the floor if anyone would like to share any more thoughts. Yeah, Cara. Yeah. Um I came in late, but I really appreciate what I listened to. So thank you to everybody. And I'm currently, I currently don't have a pet, although my sons do. But um, when I did have pets and they were having challenges or issues, um, I would ask them, did they want to remain here or were they ready to cross over? And However, I felt I got information back, I would act accordingly. So that, that vigil is really, really important to make that sacred space and to give that sacredness to your pet's life. So anyway, I appreciate everything that I heard. Thank you. Thank you, Cara. Um, anyone else? would like to share any more final thoughts before um, I hand over um, the last session, the end of our journey here with to Isla, who will lead us on a meditation. Yeah, Emily. I do have one, I have a comment. Um, and and I this, this particular forum is definitely kind of focused on um, people who love animals and um, how they can bring a level of consciousness to it. But I, I think that we, um, as veterinarians and, and professionals also need to kind of remember that we need to take care of ourselves 
for the kind of, um, and I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I feel like it would be a little bit remiss if in this veterinary profession, although really all animal caregiving professions, but the veterinary profession in particular at this moment um, has such an incredibly unhealthy relationship with mental health and self-awareness and um, understanding where what happens to your patients and your clients is separate from yourselves and you do not have to empathize to the point that you are experiencing their pain at every moment. Um, we need to create death rituals for ourselves. Um, that is something that is new to me. No one ever taught me that. And it was only when I was in ER medicine and being pushed and pushed and pushed to the point of feeling like I was going to break that I realized I had to find a way to do this. And um, I didn't formalize anything until, I mean, a little over a year ago for what I actually had some coping strategies for. And, and I had tried for another year before that to kind of reach out in some um, veterinary online forums and stuff and say, what are you guys doing to deal with this? I, I'm, I don't even understand how we're supposed to handle this. Um, and I got, I got some, a little bit of feedback here and there, but in the end, I found that I had to do it for myself and I had to find um, ways to deal with it, both in the moment, as well as sort of in bigger ways from time to time, like almost like a cleansing ceremony, like Josie was talking about, I need to smudge my soul from time to time. Um, and uh, so I think anybody in rescue work, anybody in shelter work, anybody dealing with animal behavior, anybody dealing with animal health, um, um, even just people who have a lot of animals in their lives that they care for, we need to develop practices for ourselves too. Um, to let these things sort of pass through us instead of staying in us and just just because we have to keep living and our our living keeps them alive. We can't die with them. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I think we need to to make sure that we are okay so that they can be okay. I think a lot of that has to do with as professionals as medical professionals and in our western society we have removed spirit we have like taken spirit i'm sure isla will agree with me on this we have removed spirit and we and that's what is missing i think my you know after i've euthanized thousands of animals in a shelter and that's what drove me to my spiritual work and and diving into those practices and meditation. And I mean, I have all different kinds of practices, bardo practices, 10-day retreats, really going into that for myself. And without, death is a spiritual experience. It may be physical, but we're talking about, we've left out that whole spiritual component of it. And that's where the healing comes from. And we're, you know, you can't, you, you make turn it into a clinical thing and there's this emotional psycho spiritual aspect that's just bottled up and that's that's why i mean veterinarians are killing themselves and it's really really sad 
So I think, um, you know, people are afraid to talk about it. It's too woo woo. It's too this, it's too that. No, it's not. We, it is a part of us as a human being living on this planet Gaia, where the trees are alive and have spirits, where the rivers have spirits, where the oceans have spirits, just like Isla says, where the flowers have spirits, where our animals have spirits. And we are not isolated from that. We have got to get back into reconnection with that to heal on so many levels before that planet kicks us off <laughs> you know it's 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 working hard to kick us off right now <laughs> so that's that's just my take on the whole thing um yeah and and we need to we need to open that up in our in our in our profession you know and i'm that's why i'm i'm part of my thing of having this online online community where people what happens in there stays in there and anybody's welcome to come in there and explore that and explore where they're going with that so well i wanted to thank emily for actually saying that because yes. I, I i've experienced that firsthand with a really incredible colleague taking his own life a veterinarian in Vancouver and and I think I think that um <clears throat> I think when you said about the science I think that's kind of what happens right it's like you're so conditioned to only project and educate what is science-based and it's and it's hard to do both right it's 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 really hard to do both and, um, you know, just even from a holistic perspective to get outside the box is, is hard, but then you take it one step far, farther from conventional to holistic to spiritual. It's that it's a very much broader jump. And I think that I don't think we're supported to do that, you know, and I think, I think that's really important what Emily said, because what Stephanie said is about how grateful she is um there isn't a lot of support in that community for that and i think i think that's an important i think i'm hoping with the amount of you know depression and stuff in the in the industry that it 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 does somehow you know trickle have a trickle down effect you know maybe it's maybe it's part of the next so, of course, Emily, there you go, uh, for, um, for veterinary practitioners to, maybe someone has to have a course for that. Like some, you know, there's acupuncture courses, there's chiropractic courses, there's all of these courses. Well, what about a, what about a, a course to help our, you know, open up that spiritual part of practice and with ourselves? I think it's, I think I'm really happy that you said that because it's not, it's not, it's not talked about a lot and it's a really big problem. Okay. <clears throat> wow. I, I want to thank everyone for making the time to come today. Um, like I said, we uh, basically, I'm in Singapore. We've got ladies in Canada and the UK in the United States. So we are crossing several time zones here. And I just want to thank everyone for making the time to come. Um, this, this topic is something that I think all of us agree. It's, it's such an important topic that no one really talks about. 
it's like so taboo and so sensitive. And I really appreciate, you know, everyone sharing their thoughts, you know, and I hope that we can continue a conversation, you know, to encourage people not to view death in such a negative way, you know, to embrace it as part of the life cycle, you know, as part of being part of the universe, you know, because it's physically, it's really difficult as a pet parent, as a human being, when we lose someone. But if we could have a course, like what Julie and Emily are saying, you know, to guide us in how to deal with that. And I love the fact that, you know, um, Emily's son was, you know, actually in a way guiding us in how we should view and deal with death and, and celebrate the life of, of um, Mother Grey. <laughs> so I want to I wanna hand over um, the floor to Isla now, um, who's going to lead us into a closing meditation circle to help us um, release whatever we have here in a, in, a, in, a, in a positive way. So Isla, thank you. Thank you, Amaris. So I want to thank everyone uh, for making the time today. Um, it's, it's, um, I hope we will be able to continue more topics like this. Um, and we'll sit with whatever that was discussed today and think about it. Uh, but truly, Julianne Lee, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Dr. Isla Fishburn from the UK, thank you. Dr. Josie Bjork, thank you. Dr. Emily, mm. thank you so much. Love to your family and your little boy for, for guiding us today. It was really, really special. Thank you. And I want to thank Stephanie, Cara, and Talita. I mean, mm. thank you for joining us with this circle tonight. Thank you. So we'll meet again in one month's time. Hmm, what should we talk about then? Let me think about it. <laughs> Thank you for all your work. No, the universe guided us today. I'm I'm just a facilitator. Um, everything that's been shared is, you know, um, all of you sharing today. And I just feel really blessed to be able to participate in, in this in this session. So Thank you, everyone, and have a good day, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world tonight. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.